to God. But I'm so excited about tonight. I'm here even though I'm on vacation because I have the honor and the privilege of introducing my daughter to you tonight. And, um, you know, the brilliance of parenting is when you see your kids have a passion for God. One person once told me, they said, if you have been asked to be the president but called to be a pastor, don't bow and become the president. In other words, the calling of God is something that ought to be prized. And one of the things that we never try to do is to force our kids into a calling. Matter of fact, we probably did just the opposite. We pushed them away from the calling. And so to see your children um, have a passion for God and a desire to minister the word of God into people is the delight of a father. And if you ever want to know where part of my heart is, you're about ready to see it because part of my heart is locked up in this young lady who I'm very, very proud of. And would you please receive my daughter, Pastor Nicole Santor, as she comes. What's up, Faith Church? It's so good to be with you guys today. Um, you guys can have a seat. So um, as my dad said, um, my name is Nicole Santora. I'm part of our team here at Faith Church. Uh, you guys got to hear from my brother, Pastor Joey, a few weeks ago. I'm so grateful for Pastor Joey and Brianna and what they're doing in the youth ministry. And I'm going to give a plug too. If you have a kid who is in between fifth grade and 12th grade or even a senior who graduated last year, sign them up for the Freedom Retreat. It is going to be awesome. I'm also so grateful for my parents, Pastor Frank and Lisa, and so grateful for this opportunity um, to be able to be here with you guys. Um, when my dad first told me that I was going to be speaking uh, during this series, I immediately began to just pray and ask the Lord what he wanted me to talk about. And I was praying for a while, and then one morning on our way to Cold Spring, our Cold Spring location, I was with some of our worship team members, and it's like 6.50 in the morning. I had one hour of sleep the night before. We hadn't had coffee yet. Um, my sister-in-law was in the passenger seat, like half asleep next to me. Vlad was in the back practicing guitar, and he was like half awake. It was like not good timing, but then the Lord was just like, boom, this is what I want you to talk about. I was driving, and I had to like kind of jot down notes while I was driving, but the Lord is good. And uh, ever since he spoke that to me, I've just been so excited to be able to share with you guys what he placed on my heart. So with that said, let's turn to the book of Genesis chapter 12. How many of you guys know that God has amazing plans for your life? How many of you guys know that even though you know he has great plans for your life, Sometimes it's like hard to hold on to that promise because sometimes we get stuck living life in the middle. And even though we know he has good things for us, it's hard to see how those things are going to unfold. When I think of waiting on the promises of God, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham. This message today that I want to share with you guys is a message about process. It's a message about how to fight to have faith while living life in the middle. So before we, we, we read from the text, would you guys stand up once more so we could do our Bible declaration? If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Um, let's just do this together. So this is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. 
I will read it every day. Oops, and I become all God wants me to be. I don't think that's it. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God has destined me to be. Amen. Would you guys remain standing? We're going to start reading from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. That's important to remember, 75 years old. When he set out for her, from Haran, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. You guys can take a seat. So that sounds awesome from Abram, a blessing from the Lord. God told him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. But the Bible explains to us that Abram had to go through the middle in order to get from point A to his promise of point B. We're going to go to Genesis 15, 1 through 6. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So we have another confirmation from the Lord of his promise that he made to Abram. He made Abram a promise, but Abram still wasn't seeing anything as a result in this. At this point, time had passed, numerous things were going on, and he was still living life in the middle, but he was assured by God, and he remained faithful to the Lord, and he began to wait on the Lord to see his promise come to pass. We're going to go back to the text in Genesis 17, 1 through 6. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, how old was he in the beginning? 75. So now he's 99 years old. It says, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. 
The text then goes on to explain that three men came to visit Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Chapter 18, 9 through 13 says, Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at this appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So they were still in the middle, but Abraham was confident that the promise that God spoke to him would come to pass. Chapter 21 explains to us that after 25 years of waiting, that promise that the Lord gave Abraham came to pass when Abraham and I and Sarah had their son Isaac. 25 years of waiting in the middle, 25 years. To me, that's mind-blowing because I'm 24 years old, so that's like my whole lifetime. 20, a little more, I guess. So 25 years of waiting in the middle, 25 years of standing on the promises of God, 25 years of remaining faithful to the Lord while not seeing a promise come to pass, 25 years of living life in the middle. So, all right. Nicole, that's cool for Abraham and Sarah. That's cool that it all worked out for them in the end. But how do I live life in the middle? Nicole, it's not fair that I have to live life in the middle. Nicole, I don't deserve to live life in the middle. Well, I have those questions sometimes too. And although I am only 24 years old, um, I have had my fair share of middle seasons, but I promise you that when I waited on the Lord and remained faithful to the Lord, the Lord got me safely from my point A to my point B. Sometimes our middle situations are not due to our choices. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're completely out of our control. A bad health report, a failing marriage or relationship, the loss of a job, limited finances, an addiction, loss of a loved one, Depression, anxiety, stress, uncertainty, discord in our home, families splitting up, and the list goes on. But all at the same time, despite what our middle looks like, God is still right in the middle with us. Revelation 22, 13 says that God is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So my question to you guys, if God is the beginning and he's the end... How is he also not present in the middle as well? So think about it like this. If I ran from the stage to the door, the stage being my point A and the door being my point B, I'm not going to do that. But if I was going to, it would be impossible for me not to go through the aisles as well in order to get to point B. It would be impossible for me not to go through the middle. If you ran a race from one side of town to the other side of town, it's impossible for you not to go through the middle of town as well. So I like to envision it like this. Yes, God is at the beginning and yes, God is at the end. But what is he doing when he's standing in the middle? He's literally holding us together at point A And he's holding us there, holding us completely together. I want to share with you guys five ways to equip yourself to be at peace while living life in the middle. We serve such a faithful God who will never leave us. But 
Did you know that it is up to you to invite God and allow God to be part of your middle seasons? We have to allow God into them. It's kind of like if you're maybe having a bad day or a busy day and somebody says to you like, hey, did I catch you at a bad time? And you either straight up say yes or you let your actions show that it's a bad time. It's like, no, it's fine, uh uh-huh, and you're totally checked out. Sometimes we might not say straight up to God, yeah, God, it's a bad time right now, but sometimes we let our actions show that God right now is not a good time. I'm too focused on my middle situation. But we have to allow God to be present in those situations because there is never a bad time for God to move in your life. When the Apostle Paul was witnessing to the people of Corinth, um, he was leading them to salvation. And he said to them, now is the time of God's favor. Corinth was a really sinful city. But Paul was spreading the gospel to them, encouraging them that right now they could receive salvation. Right now they could receive favor. Right now God could move in your life. So that is what I want to share with you guys today, that now is the time that God can catapult you from your point A to your point B, but you have to allow him to be part of it. But now is the time, not when you get the job that you want, not when you clean up your life, not when you have the family you want, not when you have the finances you want, not when you have it all together because he's already holding it all together. Now is the time to allow God to be part of your middle. The second point that I want to share with you guys is to keep your eyes on God during your middle season. So once we allow God to be part of our middle seasons, we have to keep our eyes focused on him. I'm reminded of Matthew 14, uh, 25 through 33. It's the story of how the apostle or the disciple Peter walked on water towards Jesus. So the passage explains that Jesus had just finished performing a miracle of multiplying five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 people. So Jesus dismissed the disciples, and he was kind of finishing up with the crowd, dismissed the crowd. He told the disciples, I'll meet up with you guys later. So they got on their boat and went on their way. And Jesus continued with the crowd, dismissed the crowd, and then went up on a mountaintop where he just began to spend some time with the Father. And when he was ready to go back up to meet with the disciples, they were already far on the water. They were already in their boat on the water. So Jesus was like, no big deal. I'm just going to go over and walk towards them. So he begins to walk towards his disciples and they begin to freak out thinking a ghost is walking towards them. So the Lord tells them, no guys, it's me. It's me. It's okay. Calm down. So Peter says, Lord, if it is you, call me to walk to you. So Peter left his point A, the boat, to go to his point B, Jesus. But do you guys remember what happened on his journey from his point A to his point B? He took his eyes off the Lord. He took his eyes off the rock. He started to focus on the situations and circumstances that were going on around him. He started to focus on the water and on the winds and he began to sink. But why did he begin to sink? Did the water all of a sudden get too watery? That was a joke. Did it get too watery? No, it didn't get too watery. The water was there the whole time. But what changed was that he took his eyes off the Lord. He started to allow his situation around him to control his mind. And he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. We have to remember that even when we're living life in the middle, we have to keep our eyes on God. 
The third thing that equips us to live life in the middle is that we have to understand we can't always pivot or avoid our middle seasons. Um, I'm reminded of when our New York City location first opened, um, we were going down there for a worship worship experience of sorts. And I was with Pastor Ryan and Amy. Um, and Amy was newly pregnant with Olivia, actually. So it was quite a while ago. And we were driving. And all of a sudden, Pastor Ryan was driving. I was in the passenger seat. And Amy was uh, taking a nap, actually, in the back. And a car, we were in the middle lane. A car came from the right lane into like our lane and this all happened in probably the matter of like 10 seconds but it was scary at the time because uh they were going to hit us they were going to come right into the side that um amy and i were on and pastor ryan he wanted to speed up or he wanted to slam on the brake and let the car pass but he couldn't because then we would have gotten hit from behind he also couldn't move over because there was a car right there So what he had to do was he had to speed up and go straight through the middle and then the car was able to come over and we didn't get hit. But if Pastor Ryan tried to change course, if he tried to pivot while we were driving, we would have been hit and we wouldn't have reached our destination of New York City. We can't always pivot when we're in difficult situations. Could you imagine if Moses pivoted from God's plan when the Egyptian army was behind him and the Israelites and the Red Sea was in front of them? Exodus 14, it looked like all hope was lost for the Israelites. They were crying out. They were upset. They were angry because they were literally caught between a rock and a hard place. Because if the Egyptian army caught them, they would most likely kill them. But in front of them was the Red Sea and they obviously couldn't do anything about it. They were literally between the rock and the hard place. But how many of you guys know that sometimes it's between a rock and a hard place that God likes to show up and God likes to show what he's capable of? He opened the sea and the Israelites were able to walk right on through the middle of the sea and escape the Egyptian army. They couldn't pivot, but they had to go straight through it. And God made what seemed impossible possible. Sometimes we have to go straight through our middle seasons with confidence, knowing that God is on our side and God will get us through every step of the way. We have to say, I can't go around this, but the grace of God will get me through it. There's no middle season that's too big for God because God isn't the great I was. He isn't the great I will be. He is the great I am. And the same God that opened the Red Sea for Moses, the same God that came through for Abraham will come through for you and me in our middle seasons. The fourth point to equip you to be at peace during your middle seasons is to talk back. So dad, you know that this point's probably my favorite one, right? Because when I was a kid, I got in trouble for talking back because I had a smart mouth. And the truth is, sometimes I still do, but that's okay because God's still good. So this is my favorite point because it's an appropriate reason to talk back, right? So um, sometimes when we're living life in the middle, we get a negative voice from the enemy that comes into our mind. This happened to Jesus in Matthew 4. The devil began to taunt Jesus. But what did Jesus do? He talked back, Matthew 4.10. He said, Jesus said, away from me, Satan. 
We have to do the same thing sometimes when that negative voice comes into our mind. Sometimes that negative voice tells us that the doctor's report is right. Sometimes that negative voice tells us that there's no hope, that we will never get to our point B, that God is no longer with us. But when that negative voice comes at us, we have to talk back and say, no devil, not today. My God will never leave me. My God will not forsake me. My God will not abandon me because I am his child and he is my father. I am his sheep and he is my shepherd and he is with me all the time, even when I'm living life in the middle. Amen. We serve such a faithful God. The last thing that I want to share with you guys to help equip you to be at peace when you're living life in the middle is to remind yourself how far you have come. So I got parameters put on how far I could go on the stage. So bear with me with this because I was gonna walk a little all over it. So let's see, envision it like this. We have our point A right here. I'm allowed to be right here. Okay, our point A is right here and our point B is that other speaker because that's my parameters. So while I'm walking from my point A to my point B, the gap behind me starts to get bigger and the gap in front of me starts to get smaller. So I like to call the gap that's behind me the grateful gap because that's the gap that reminds me of all that God has gotten me through. That's the gap that reminds me of God's faithfulness thus far. But now the small gap that's in the middle, I like to call that the growing gap because how many of you guys know that there's still times where God is equipping us and preparing us to reach our point B. He's still giving us things and allowing us to grow during that season. But guess what I like to call the journey in the middle? I like to call it the giving gap, the gift gap. Because how many of you guys know that there is still goodness in the middle. There is still blessings in the middle. There is still favor in the middle. There is still grace in the middle. There is still hope in the middle. Their middle isn't always fun, but we can rest assured that God will give us things while we're in our middle because God will be with us the whole entire time from us getting from our point A to our point B. Do you guys know that the book of Philippians is a gift that came during a middle season? Maybe not our middle season, but the Apostle Paul's middle season. The only reason that book was even written was because the Apostle Paul was imprisoned during that time. You know the verse that we all quote when things are getting tough, Philippians 4.13, for I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse that blesses us today and encourages us today came from the Apostle Paul's gift gap. That's amazing. What will come from your gift gaps? What will come from your middle seasons? Isaiah 40, 31 reminds us that when we're living life in the middle, those that wait on the Lord, those that trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Abraham had to wait on the Lord while he was in the middle. He had to wait on God's promises to come to pass. Yet through his middle, God built Abraham's faith and trust and exceeded all of his expectations. Worship team, you guys can come on out whenever you're ready. Joseph had to wait on the Lord in the middle because he was falsely accused and he was imprisoned. Yet through his middle, God prepared him for his calling and his destiny. 
Ruth had to wait on the Lord in her middle because she lost her husband. Yet through her waiting period, God brought her restoration. God brought her a family and God used her bloodline to birth the Messiah. Esther. Esther had to wait on the Lord in the middle because her life and the life of her people were at stake. Yet through her time of waiting on the Lord and through her time of being in the middle, the Lord gave her boldness. The Lord gave her encouragement and the Lord made the impossible possible. David. David had to wait on the Lord. David was an overlooked shepherd boy, yet in his middle, despite his mess ups, because how many of us know that God is still faithful to us and God is still good to us and God is still in the middle with us, even when we are making mistakes, despite David's mess ups, he, when he remained faithful to the Lord and honored the Lord, God took him from the pastures to the palace. Do you guys know who else had to wait in the middle? This one blew my mind. This one made me a little emotional, actually. Jesus. Jesus had to wait in the middle, literally, as he waited in the middle among two criminals, dying a shameful and painful death so that you and I could receive eternal life and freedom. Jesus literally was in the middle. The Bible says in Matthew 27, 46, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was alone in his middle, yet he still waited in the middle so that we could be renewed, so that we could be restored, so that we could be made whole, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be healed, so that we could be free. Jesus bore it all so that we don't have to wait through our middle seasons alone. I'm so grateful for Jesus, guys. Jesus is so, so good. I'm so thankful for gift gaps. I'm so thankful that the grace of God is right in the middle, that the faithfulness of God is right in the middle, that the favor of God is right in the middle, that the protection of God is right in the middle, that the mercy of God is right in the middle, that the healing of God is right in the middle, that the restoration of God is right in the middle, that the freedom of God is right in the middle. I am so thankful for Jesus and that God is right there in the middle with me. I'm so grateful that he's with us, holding us together. I'm so grateful that he's with me, whether I'm in the palace or I'm in the pit, whether I'm rich or I'm poor, whether I'm married or single, whether I'm working or jobless, restored or broken, happy or sad, healthy or sick, and everything in between. I'm so grateful that he is right there with us when we're in the middle.